You've seen their TV shows. You've watched their webcasts. Now, the boys invite you to Poker in the Ears. Hello, my babies, and welcome to Poker in the Ears. Hello, 2019. Hi. I am Uncle Daddy Joe Stapleton. Here's my work wife, James Hardigan. Our first podcast of the new year. And by the way, this is the fifth year of the podcast. Hashtag fun Is fact. it really? Yeah, we started it in 2015. We're now in 2019. That is crazy. I was about, I, I was sitting here in this hotel room in Fargo thinking to myself, remember one year ago when you had to wake me up in my hotel room in Fargo? But it was probably much longer than that, wasn't it? Was about it? two and a half years ago, yeah. Jeepers. Anyway. Speaking of the hotel in Fargo, James, the high today in Fargo, the high, minus 26. That is cold. I was going to complain about it being like minus two here in London, but I'll just stay stum. The low minus 33. That's right. Welcome to the winter 2019. We're going to recap every single thing that happened between the last show and this one. It's going to be a seven hour show, uh, <laughs> including various New Year's activities. Various Christmas activities, including me watching the movie It's a Wonderful Life, which uh, I didn't exactly watch over Christmas. I watched it yesterday. But we're including it all because Blair Matheson, he is on the show today for Superfan vs. Stapes. Uh, we're talking life and how wonderful it is. Uh, but the big thing that happened poker-wise was the 2019 PCA, including the Poker Stars Players No Limit Hold'em Championship. That's the main focus of today's show and we did manage to grab one of the folks who made the final table of the PSPC. Our guest today is Scott Baumstein who took fourth place in the biggest 25k event in poker history. Yeah, we are bringing you this podcast seven days after we concluded our 11 consecutive days of coverage and I can't work out, Joe, whether I'm just mentally and physically exhausted from that volume of work in the Bahamas and or suffering from jet lag and or a combination of the two. Um, I'm also a little bit emotional because we've said goodbye to our voiceover booth. Um, oh, man. I, I didn't even I know, I didn't right? even clock that. While we were in the Bahamas, it's it shut down. We're moving office, so we're going to be building a new studio. We're going to have a new booth where we'll be recording the TV shows and recording the podcast. But yeah, every TV show, pretty much since the start of 2012, was recorded in that room. Pretty much every single podcast was recorded in that room, and now it's gone. So like you, for the next few weeks, while that's being constructed, the new facility and the new building, I get to work from home, but unlike you, I'm wearing more than my underwear. <laughs> yes, you still dress up like you're going to work. I have to wear clothes here in Fargo. It's so cold, even indoors. Uh, that's so. I've, I, I spent many an afternoon sleeping on the floor of that VO booth. I'm really going to miss that place. I might, if we tried to total together the number of hours, days, weeks, months of our lives that we spent in that room, not all of it working, it was also a very useful meeting room. And we had many off-the-record clandestine conversations over the in years. A room with, in a room with giant microphones <laughs> that anyone could turn on at any point. You think by now we'd have understood the concept of red light etiquette, but no, we really are that stupid. I, I guess what you would have to do is take the whatever number of TV shows we've done together and multiply that by about four, and that would be how many hours we've well, spent in that booth. I have never calculated that one. What I did calculate is when we were in the Bahamas, and I know we're going to get into our full-on uh, PSPC, PCA recap later on in the show, but when we were talking about this being, I think, the 12th consecutive PCA that I'd attended, I did do the math and worked out that I have spent three months of my life 
more than 120 days at the Atlantis Resort in the Bahamas. Oh, man. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say I'm sorry. And not because <laughs> the place is that bad. Spending three months of your life anywhere yeah. is eventually going to get kind of old, especially if you're not there on vacation. If you'd spent three months of your life vacationing there, it would be a different story. Of course. Um, I'm not complaining. And obviously, just to rewind the clock, got to spend Christmas with the family in Finland that was wonderful. Um, I guess you went home to the family in New York? Yes. Do, when, do you guys do like things together as a family when you're home for Christmas, like play games? Or nah, does everyone really. just kind of go to their separate corner yeah, and, kind and of, yeah. read? That's cool. I would I would like that. My parents have to be like up my butt no matter what I'm doing. And I just have to say, I took my girlfriend home and she is the greatest person ever. Like she was just the perfect. Do you remember I got like sick last year because I was just so stressed out yep. being home? She was like the perfect buffer between everyone, between like my mom and my dad and my sister-in-law. Uh, my brother didn't come because their dog had it had its leg amputated like oh. the day before Christmas, and he didn't want to leave it alone and or bring it to interact with other dogs and stuff. So tensions were running pretty high because one of the remotes was missing. Now the remote for what? My, for okay, so my parents basically they can't be trusted with more than one remote anymore. So everything in the house it's just the tv it's just cable and the volume is permanently set like it doesn't so they have they have yes the volume don't, don't tell me the volume set really really high it's it's pretty fucking high yeah um and so th th my parents have a remote for the tv slash cable they don't use the chromebox they have they don't have to use the apple tv they don't use it they use nothing anymore it's so when just, you say one of the remotes was missing what was it so it's what was the other remote for then? So they have two of the exact same remote so that they can each have one. Um, and the thing Sorry, is, they got sit two remotes for the TV. They have two identical remotes that sit on the same nightstand about six inches apart from each other so that they can both control, have their own TV remote control. But they're watching the same TV. Correct. I don't I can't explain it. I don't I mean, know why. Are they literally engaging in a remote control war over which channel they're no, going to watch? No, they don't fight over it either. It's just so that they don't have to re reach six inches further away if the other one falls asleep. This is one of the most bizarre things I've ever heard. So, so when you say one of them was missing, did this cause a problem then? Are they not prepared to share a remote control? Correct. This was oh like an all-out Tommy Lee Jones fugitive-style <laughs> manhunt. Where my dad is like turning over couch cushions and getting people to stand up and pulling the couch away from the wall. But before any of that can happen, there's a 30-minute search for a flashlight to look for the remote. <laughs> so he's tearing apart the drawer where the flashlight is, and he's like real angry. And I'm like, God damn, if they, if they even needed it, like there was an earthquake and they needed this flashlight, they'd just be dead. Like, oh, if you can't God. find a flashlight in the light, and my girlfriend is a goddamn angel, and she's just, like, by my dad's side every step of the way, oh, do you think the flashlight's in here? Like, let's let's pull these things out. Let's see where the flashlight Unbelievable. She, and the thing is, this would be, Dad, shut the fuck up! You got another remote! And my parents rewarded her by getting her name wrong constantly. <laughs> oh, they would just wow. flat out call her by a different name. And then because uh, for some reason, everyone wants to like exotify her name. They want to like make it sound more exotic than it really is. And they just, she just has one of those names. And then my neighbor came over and kept saying her name with like this spicy accent. And I was like, no, no, you can 
you can just say that the anglicized version, it's fine. And then she said it with the spicy accent again. I was like, no, 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 just. And then I realized all of a sudden, oh, fuck, my neighbor's from Argentina. Oh, so she says everything with an accent. Yes. And I kept trying to tell her <laughs> to do it without an accent. <laughs> oh, man. So Christmas with the Stapletons, how long did it actually last? How long did you have to spend at home? Five days, and then uh, I thought it would be fun to drive to Florida with my girlfriend uh, and just sort of do like an American road trip uh, so that way we'd be close to Florida to fly to the Bahamas. I love the way you set that, by the way. I thought it would be a good idea, which implies that it wasn't. Well, lots of people thought it was a bad idea when she told her friends and family. They were like, what are you fucking nuts? You're going to spend five days in the car? And I was, we had a great time. We had a blast. And I used it uh, as an excuse to eat horrible fried chicken and, and, and barbecue food all the way down the coast. And um, so we stopped at this place, James, called South of the Border. Now, South of the Border, yeah, it is in South Carolina right after you cross over from North Carolina. I was thinking for a moment that's a place in a movie. But no, North of the Border is the place in Die Hard 3, right? Yes, and it's kind of like that, except it's from North Carolina into South Carolina, because all of a sudden in South Carolina, there's a bunch of shit that's legal that isn't legal in North Carolina, like fireworks and nunchucks and throwing stars. So on all your family vacations as a kid, everyone stops at south of the border, which is a Mexico-themed, it's like a, almost like a, a theme park, but it's a truck stop. It's like a truck stop that's been so popular that now there's a reptile farm there and there's like a fireworks store and there's an arcade and there's a bowling alley and it's the trashiest, most racist, like it's called South of the Border. It's fucking, the whole thing is Mexico themed, even though it's nowhere near the Mexican border. <laughs> it's like 1500 miles away from the Mexican border and their mascot is a sleeping Mexican a drunk sleeping Mexican who's passed out up against a cactus. And I thought it was the most racist thing I'd ever seen until his name is Pedro. Until I saw the female version and her name is Lil Miss Pedro. Oh my God. She, she's unbelievably racist, but doesn't even get her own identity because she's a woman. I mean, great that we can have racism and misogyny just in one fell swoop. It was beautiful, beautiful. A far cry from Disneyland, uh, which we went to uh, and was horrible. We left after three hours. I was so fucking crowded. Disneyland is in your hometown of Los Angeles. You're talking about yes, Disney Dis World. Disney World, yes. Disney World, which, by the way, is fucking fun as hell. But we made the mistake of going the day after New Year. Oh, and I, I just absolutely rammed. It was so rammed that, like, just moving around was difficult. Like, not even just getting a line for rides. It was horrific. So my girlfriend, God bless her, spent nearly $300 to get us in. And after three hours, I was like, this really sucks. Can I give you half your money back? And we just leave. And she was like, absolutely. Wow. Uh, on the subject of theme parks, by the way, obviously yeah. – I think that most people have seen on TV or seen on the live stream that Atlantis in the Bahamas has like that water park with the exception of when they made us film um, a race down the water slides a few years back for the uh, much missed skits from the TV shows. I've not used anything in that water park for like since 2009. And there's the last time it's I went. It's been a while. For yeah, me but too, yeah, because I had a late flight 
out of the Bahamas this year. It was like 9.45 in the evening. So I had pretty much the whole of the next day at the resort. I spent a good half an hour on the lazy river, which is where you That's just fun. sit on a rubber ring, just floating around this river that doesn't really go anywhere. It was quite good fun. Um, I have to bring I know that you're a big fan, Joe, of the game. How much did it cost? I want to bring yeah. you a round of how much did it cost Nassau Airport edition. Because when you fly out, of Nassau Airport, you go through the main terminal, which is the one that flies to all of the American cities. If the you... one with the Wendy's in it, which is why I see a list of things that you bought here, but none of them say a Wendy's spicy chicken sandwich, which is a huge mistake. There is no Wendy's in the international terminal where the BA flight to London goes from. It's... I flew out of that one once. It's just like a, a like a tiny Dunkin' Donuts, right? There's That's a Dunkin' about Donuts, it. which closes quite early, and then there is a concession stand right down the other end, right where the gate is, and that's where they sold the following items. So, Joe Stapleton, how much did it cost? Nassau oh, Airport yeah. Edition. Number one, a Twix. A two-finger bar of chocolate. A full-size Twix. A full-size... Well, not the mega one, just a normal-size no, Twix. a normal size, but not a snack fun size. No. I want to say the Twix was $2.99. Ooh, close. $2.79. Yeah, okay. Still outrageous, but not as bad as you thought. Ab- absolutely outrageous, though, yes. Okay. A stack of fake Pringles. So effectively, just like a, a, a tin of Pringles, but not real Pringles, like some ripoff brand. Were they called Stacks? Lay's Stacks? I can't remember yellow, what they're called. Yellow canister no, with a no, blue top? No, no, it's not a brand I recognized. Okay. A stack of... Can you show, show me with your hands again the size of the fake stack? Look, look, the tall one, not the short one that you got on planes. Not the room but, service one. No. That was that was four ninety nine. dollars $7.49. Whoa, okay. A coffee mug... Ceramic, yellow in color, with the words, I heart Bahamas. Did you buy this stuff or you just went around and looked at it? Looked at the prices. And okay, because that, that story was starting to get a little unbelievable no. that you would buy a coffee mug in the Bahamas. No. Okay. Um, $12.99. $20. Okie doke. <laughs> a tin of rum cakes. And sorry, I don't know the volume. You know like a tin of Quality Street? You know that size tin? I'm about about this big. Yeah, like a flat tin full yeah. of rum cakes. That tin of rum cakes would have been twenty bucks. Twenty-five dollars. You weren't far off. Half-sized tin of rum cakes, only vertical. So half the size of the yeah. large tin, only a slightly different shape. Eighteen dollars. I know what you did there. Twenty-eight dollars. That's right. More. The half tin costs more than the full tin. What? I can't explain it either. It's so good. It's so good. I just picture people with like a, like a, one of those pricing guns just randomly whacking stuff in the store being like, people will pay it. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it Someone's going to pay this. It did feel like logic had leapt out the window. Uh, well, actually, that takes us nicely into our recap of our 11 days of streaming and 14 days on Paradise Island. Event Recap. Event Recap. See the sky open wide. Catch the dream, the fire inside. Standing tall until the end. I'll survive. Not falling down. And I think it is important 
to make that separation, Joe, that even though we were on air for 11 days, we were there for just over two weeks because we had preparations, rehearsals, set up, etc. Well, you were, yeah, I mean, you were there longer than I was. And during that time, I started to question the nature of my own reality. This and is so funny. Started, this is... started to wonder whether the Atlantis Resort is some bizarre version of Westworld where there are hosts where there might actually be AI-programmed characters wandering around. I know you haven't seen much of Rick and Morty, but there's a Rick and Morty episode like this where they're actually in a simulation that represents their real world, and one of the guys is too dumb to notice that there's the same characters saying the same things to him over and over again. Um, so, Joe, you've already heard this, but for the benefit of the Poker in the Ears listeners, I am confident that I encountered several npcs non-player yeah. characters in the resort first of all um this year i was actually staying in they call them villas but they're kind of chalets they're rooms that are kind of outside uh the resort nothing fancy nothing they're identical to all the other rooms you just have to go outside to get to them exactly so every morning i would walk into the main building and the corridor i would walk down without fail and this not being funny it wasn't even like it was the same time whether it was 8 30 in the morning nine in the morning, 10 in the morning, there was always the same woman vacuuming this corridor. And when I would walk past, she would say without fail, you're looking mighty fine. You have a nice day now. Without <laughs> fail. For 12 consecutive days, I encountered this person and I never engaged. I never went down that route to discover what the side <laughs> mission was. But the weirdest one of all was that night that we went to dinner, Joe, I was walking through the bit where the fancy shops are. There's a Versace store and a Rolex store. And there were two girls who I discovered very quickly were Russian who were standing there and, and were flagging people down and said, uh, I'm putting her mobile phone in my face. Can you help us with the Wi-Fi? And I'm looking at her iPhone screen and I can see the little Wi-Fi symbol. You're on the Wi-Fi. It is not working. Uh, you need to enter your room number and your last name to get the Wi-Fi to work. Uh, we're not staying here. Oh, in that case, it's not going to work for you. Uh, and then she's pointing to like, the personal hotspot function. Can we connect to your phone just to get on the internet? And I'm like, I have no idea what scam this is or what <laughs> I'm about to get roped into, but the answer is no, and I walk off. I mean, look, if you, I'm sure a lot of people would type in their last name and room number just to give them access, and then all of a sudden they can just charge whatever they want to your room. Possibly. So fast forward 11 and a half hours that was eight o'clock in the evening on a saturday fast forward to 7 30 on sunday morning around and this is how big the resort is by the way i'm now a kilometer away from where this exchange occurred i'm outside morning run trying to keep fit doing my best to lose the pounds that i'm putting on through the endless fried chicken and barbecue that we're being fed and <laughs> Bear in mind, I'm running first thing in the morning. I I've, I've, don't have my lenses in. I don't have glasses on. But I can see on the path ahead of me, as I'm running past several of the pools, I can see the, the shape. There's, there's, there's someone in the path. And as I get closer, there's two people on the path. And as I get even closer, I realize it's the same two Russian girls as the night before, wearing the same dresses as last night. And as I approach them, holds out phone and says, can you help with the Wi-Fi? I'm like, oh, man. They're in their little loop. But once again, not going to get engaged, not going to get drawn into that. Um, or maybe I just imagined the whole thing because, Joe, I think it's fair to say by day 10, we were both suffering from severe exhaustion. And You were you were a little bit more losing your mind than I was by the end of it. Um, but it was certainly understandable. I had a couple of things that just kind of helped get me through. And I know that stuff like, like after the comedy show, which we're going to discuss next week, by the way, too much to get into this week. Uh there was so much 
good vibes and and people who are being complimentary both about the show and about our broadcast that week and everyone seemed to be having such a fun time especially kicking things off with the PSPC um, that it helped get me through. Yeah, I, I definitely would have been more exhausted had there not been such good energy around. But I'll say this. I think on day 10 or 11, they uh, pulled me aside to do my interview for the for the documentary. Oh, yeah. We should mention the fact that we had a documentary <laughs> crew filming the whole thing. And I don't know whether PSPC, the motion picture, is going to be a thing. But if it is, there will be a, an entire behind-the-scenes look at not just the making of the PSPC itself, but the making of the stream that covered the PSPC. Yeah, so I did my interview for that, and I just tanked it. Like, I was just totally humorless. D- gave a bunch of answers afterward where I was like, ah, I'd really rather you not. And it was so bad that even the director, Gary, was like, yeah, we might have to come to L.A. to interview you. I'm not really sure some of that's going to work. And for Gary to say that uh, means that I really was not giving it the wow. energy or the depth of answers that I needed to. So I was I was pretty wiped by the end, too. I also was like pretty defensive of people who are who would like write in and be like, oh, wow. Stape sounds like he was partying last night or boy, what are you guys doing with your time off in the Bahamas? And I was like, we don't get time off. <laughs> No. Um, and it is sometimes hard to keep the energy levels up, especially when you're on camera, because there is that old cliche. And like most cliches, there's a lot of truth in it. The camera never lies. And if you look exhausted or you can't bring that enthusiasm and that energy that you should be building, it shows. And that, I think, is the hardest thing. And it makes me really grateful that when we do do the streams, that we're not in vision all the time. And I've had a lot of conversations, by the way, because a lot of people feel that, oh, you're on Twitch, so you should be in vision. And I don't necessarily agree with that, because I think Twitch is about focusing on the players. So where you are playing online yourself and streaming, like Lex does on a daily basis and Finton and Spraggy do, absolutely. People want to see your faces. They want to see you playing the game. They want to see your reactions. But what we're doing is we're covering other people playing poker. And it's much more important that you see the players rather than the guys who are just talking about it. I think it's great that we can have moments where we're in vision, like at the top of the show. But I think it would be at best unnecessary at worst self-indulgent and egocentric to have us envision all the time plus when you think about how graphics heavy poker is as a game there's no real estate on the screen to really put that um so i've always been against it and i know that lex finton and spraggy agree a hundred percent on that that it's just an unnecessary addition but i was really grateful for it on this occasion because keeping up that performance would have been really really hard well, you know, I am more self-indulgent and egotistical than you, so I wouldn't mind occasionally being able to cut to us like when Lex is unable to think of Eugene Kachlov's name and he's got his head in his hands and he's very ashamed. I wouldn't mind cutting to that I every agree. once in a while. And it's always been an aspiration that we would have the ability to do that, but think about right. it. It's a multilingual it, stream, right? So it's the same video going oh, yeah, out totally. to every market, and the only thing that's different is the commentary. Now, if you want to start creating different video streams for every market, because I think it's unfair that people watching the German stream would suddenly see a random image of Absol- Joe and Lex absolutely. pissing around. So in order for us to create an, a, a, an extra video stream, it's significant investment. And it's like, do you spend the money on creating that separate video stream for the English language audience or does 
when that could give you another camera out in the field to capture significant moments at the outer tables. It's definitely not worth sacrificing anything else to have that. If it were a quick fix, we would just click it back and forth and pop in occasionally. But yeah, I agree in general that there's there's no need to see us. Yeah, for sure. Um, but one of the highlights of the trip for me was actually the night I was talking about where I bumped into those Russian girls where you and I went to dinner and... It was actually the first time in ages that just the two of us had got to hang out for a significant amount of time. And it reminded me of those trips that we used to do back in the day when we did VO in New York or in Vegas or the trips we did to to, to Toronto. Uh, it was like old times and I enjoyed it. Yeah, well, those old times were before Tinder was a thing. And now that I don't use Tinder anymore, it's it's like those old times again. We definitely... It's funny because we did get to have a nice dinner, just the two of us. But also, um, we tried like hell to make it not. We tried to get Ben to come. We tried to get Francine to come. We tried to get Maria Ho to come. And then all of a sudden, it was just me and you. And we were like, oh, wait, this is okay, too. <laughs> yeah. This is fine. It doesn't need to be a huge group. <laughs> we're not we're not sick of each other just yet. Um, so let's talk about what we the actual events uh, that we covered. And, Joe, you mentioned that the energy and enthusiasm for the PSPC didn't need any faking. There was a unique aura around this event, and it started the night before it even started. There was a special reception for the Platinum Pass winners at Atlantis, which we got to go to. And it was so good to meet so many of these players who we've spoken to on the podcast or we'd heard their stories about or read their stories on the blog to actually meet them and see what a wonderful time they were already having before a single hand of poker had been dealt. Yeah, uh, and I think that that was good for everyone. It wasn't just good for the players, but it was good for us. It was good for the event staff. It was good for the the team pros it was good for even some of the salty regs that managed to wiggle their way into the party i think that feeling that amount of goodwill and excitement was just kind of gave everybody a boost uh and it was contagious and it was it fed itself which is easy to do with negativity and much more difficult when it comes to positive things so it was a great thing to see for sure and among the people we met and can't name check everyone uh mickaway sip who won the first challenge free roll that we offered via the, the live stream at the PCA last year. Uh, Tone Vonken, who won the free roll that we offered in Monte Carlo. Uh, Toka Gerding Jensen, who we gave a platinum pass to on the podcast. We never got to meet the Russian and the Ukrainian guys, though, who got the other two passes via the podcast. I will admit that I was too busy and too uh, busy having fun and enjoying it. That negative thought I had of like, let's figure out who these guys were and just go give them like a, just give them like a little side eye or just be like, Hey, how is, how do you enjoy our podcast? But it didn't even occur to me because like, I was just thinking positive thoughts. Someone brought it up later in the broadcast. And I was like, Oh yeah, we did forget about those guys. You know what? Who cares? This has been a blast. Uh, Nathan Manuel, who won his pass via the moneymaker tour. Um, Nikhil Segal, who won Jamie's Ultimate Sweat Challenge, oh, yeah. Chris Martin, who won via Finton Spraggy's Platinum Adventure, and of course, Jennifer Carter, who very kindly knitted us both Poker in the Ears bobble hats, and I will be wearing mine next month on the slopes of Lapland, and Joe, considering the weather in North Dakota, I hope you remember to pack yours. I did pack it. Look at my hair. You can tell that I've been wearing a toque. <laughs> the good thing is that nearly all of them survived day one and it's the first time we've covered a day one of a poker event in forever i'm glad we did uh, because this was so different but 
I think we only lost 25 to 30 percent of the field on day one. Most players, the vast majority, survived to day two. So that was the happy moment. But then when day two began, within the first two levels, it was just like Platinum Pass winner out. Great story out. People's hero gone. It was a bloodbath. You, you do would have expected that to happen. The way that the tournament was structured was exactly what amateur players want. They wanted a lot of play in the beginning. They got a ton of chips. It was a slow structure. And then when it came time for the pros to do what they do, which to, which is to apply pressure when it comes close to the money. And there are a lot of people that were, you know, that were really sweating them in cash here. The, the platinum pass winners, a lot of them got their lunches eaten. You know, they were just were, and that's part of the reason why there was such a huge field because, you know, the pros knew that there were going to be a bunch of people who weren't exactly going to be comfortable playing for this kind of money. And many of them were not. Obviously great to see the platinum pass winners who did make it into the money, yeah. especially those who went deep like Jackie Burkhart. It was great to follow Griffin's deep run to the final two tables. And let's save the best till last. The final table where there were two platinum pass winners in the final eight as Igor Kurganov predicted many months ago was a very diverse lineup and a very entertaining final table was delivered yeah absolutely I think that the final table is was like a perfect narrative for what we try to say about poker all along which is that yes skill does win out in the end so we had four fairly regular pros who made that final table but yes anyone can win so we had two platinum pass winners at that final table and it was a great mix of young and old and amateur and uh and, and pro and and businessman of course uh, so it was just kind of all around pretty cool well let's talk to someone who is actually at that final table. It's time to introduce this week's guest on Poker in the Years. We give a big, warm welcome to fourth-place finisher in the PSPC, Scott Baumstein. Greetings, Scott. Uh, thanks. Thanks. It's good to be here. Thanks for having me on, guys. And the last time we spoke, Scott, you were doing some guest commentary on, like, PCA 2011, I think it was? Uh, yeah. That, um, I think uh, I did some commentary with you guys in... in uh, in Berlin and, and Monte Carlo, maybe in 2012 or 13, something like that. But yeah, it's been a, it's been a few years. It's been. A I few remember years. Scott bailing us out big time a couple of times when we had like two and three handed play that like just wouldn't die, and I had no idea what to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> glad I glad I could help then, and glad I could be be back as a, as a guest for uh, for doing well for myself for once. Anyway, no, absolutely, and great to see you uh, back in the Bahamas, and great to see you at this final table. And that's the first thing to say, Scott. Congratulations on the seven figure score. Uh, yeah, feels good. Uh, probably not going to have an opportunity like that again anytime soon. Um, glad to have been able to take advantage of it and and play that that wonderful event that that Poker Stars got together. So you said it feels good, and I'm glad that you've that you're there now. Was there any point that winning over a million dollars felt good, but also did you have nightmares about what could have been? Uh, yeah, I mean. Obviously, you, you always have that feeling about things you could have gone differently, uh, done differently, and, and how things could have turned out. Playing for $5 million is probably not something I'll ever have an opportunity to do again, short of final table in the main event, which is probably pretty unlikely. Um, so you always have to look back on that. I, I was really, really fortunate just to make the final table, and you have to always put that into perspective. 
uh, that you have to get lucky to always go deep in tournaments, to cash in tournaments, to make final tables. Um, so I was lucky to get there. I felt I was pretty unlucky at the final table, but that's just sort of how it goes. Um, I think there was one hand where um, things could have gone very differently if Fareed Jatton uh, didn't shove. If he had just called, I had two eights in the big blind. I may have uh, squeezed myself when I had around 20 big blinds against Mar uh, Julian's uh, open with ace-king and Fareed's flat with ace-jack. I would have maybe gone all in and beaten ace-king and and doubled there, and things may have been very differently, but nothing, you know, outside of that, everything was sort of outside of my own control. I don't really think I, I had it. many opportunities at the final table. It was a very quick structure once we got to the final table. Yeah. I just sort of was able to fold into fourth place, and I don't regret any any of the decisions I made, so I, I can I can sleep pretty well at night about it. And I think you've highlighted an important thing, Scott. We haven't talked about the uh, PCA events yet, but in both the Super High Roller and the main event, the average stack was pretty deep, more than 50 big blinds. This was a pretty shallow uh, final table in the PSPC, and that really handcuffed everyone when you looked at those money jumps. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I came into the final table, uh, I think, one of nine with around 40 big blinds and like a one big blind um, chip lead over, over the next guy. And we were all really bunched in that, you know, 30 to 40 range with like one short stack. So we all came in pretty even. We were all really shallow, very gambly. Anything could happen. And it, and it was a little interesting because the structure was, you know, good enough, pretty good throughout the whole the whole tournament. We were all sort of deep enough um, for the first three, four days of the tournament until we got down to the final two tables. Um, and then, you know, I think they sort of, they skipped a level or two and made the jumps got pretty big. I think it went from like 240, you know, like it skipped like a one of those kind of 255 levels or 2550 levels or whatever, whatever it was. And and it just got pretty, pretty shallow, pretty quickly right there at the end. Scott, did you find that there was any sort of uh, was it difficult to to take that heart and to pass it on? Because I know it was like a kind of a. I guess we should give the backstory. Jennifer Carter knitted a heart. It got passed along from uh, from bust out to bust out, made its way to the final table. Uh, and I just know that in that moment when you are eliminated from a poker tournament, no matter what amount you're playing for, you're kind of heartbroken. Uh, was it difficult to then focus on and try to like nicely hand this heart off to somebody? Uh, yeah, I remember at the time I like totally forgot about it and I just sort of like walked away and then it like kind of clicked in my head and I, I walked and gave it back to, uh, to Julian. Um, now you just sort of put that behind you. I mean, it happened to, um, to, you know, it was given to me that way and, and before him. So, uh, that's just, just sort of how it goes. I mean, I was lucky enough, I guess, to be the, I guess I was the third to last guy to have it, but you have to be, uh, you know. Uh, could have could have could have gone differently. I was hoping to be the one holding it in the end, but uh, maybe next time. After your PSPC journey came to an end, Scott, do you then tune out, or did you have any interest in watching it play out and see who was going to win? I mean, I saw who won, but I didn't. I didn't watch it. Yeah, because I mean, were you surprised? Because I guess at the point that you left, it looked like Julian Martini was just going to run over the table. Yeah, it certainly looked like Julian was going to end up winning it. Uh, he had a big chip lead, obviously, in three and then heads up play. Uh, I did see some of the clips that uh, 
looked like he got a little unlucky at the end. He had a, yeah. he, he was one card away from winning it once or twice and, yes. and didn't go his way, and that's that's how poker tournaments go. Yeah, I think the hand that really turned it around was flopping a flush only for his opponent to catch a runner-runner to make the full house, and then it was Ramon Kalilas who had the big chip advantage, and the rest, as they say, is history. Um, this was, in many ways, uh, a unique event. I don't know if there will be a PSPC2 Maybe considering this was so successful with more than a thousand runners and obviously the whole Platinum Pass promotion we know was was very popular. Am I right in thinking that you've courted mainstream media attention yourself in the last few days? I wouldn't go so far as to say mainstream media attention, definitely some poker media attention. Um, I mean, I, I would like to say that it was a, obviously a, a great tournament. There was a great buzz around it, yeah. not just leading up to it, but but during the the event itself, it felt very, you know, main event-esque, you know, in just the energy sort of in the room. Um, and I think there was just like such a great, um, you know, response to it and turnout that I'd be surprised if PokerStars didn't do it again. I wouldn't, I wouldn't anticipate PokerStars doing it again next year just because it took them over a year to promote, promote it the first time and they haven't done it. And also I think that would take away from how special it was if you made it an annual event. Um, but I can see this happening again in, in, in a few years. Scott, winning over a million dollars in a poker tournament is life-changing money for a lot of people. I assume that it is not uh, life-changing money for you in the in the extent that it would be for someone that isn't already a professional poker player. But in what ways uh, will your life change now that you've had this big score? Um, my life isn't going to change significantly. Obviously, the, the the money is great, but you know, I um, my life has already sort of changed very significantly in the past year. I've I've, uh, you know, bought a place and settled in South Florida. I've gotten, gotten engaged to uh, my fiance Heather, who was, who was present at that final table. Um, you know, I, I've sort of slowed down on poker, specifically tournaments, a lot recently. And this, this score is not going to make me now play them more again. You know, I, I've, I've sort of, for the most part, stopped traveling. And uh, I think this will just sort of aid in that, going in that direction and slowing down versus speeding up. I, I think it'll just sort of help me play a little bit less and not more. Um, nice. So I, I'd say how the only thing it'll, it'll change my life is that I'll play a little bit less poker and not not more. I think a lot of people go in the opposite direction and start playing a lot more when they have a big score. I think it'll just sort of help me just sort of relax a lot more and sort of just getting my life started over here. Great. So what that leads me to is, what are you going to do with your time then? What what is? Uh, do you go into an office? Do you have other hobbies? Well. I, <laughs> I wouldn't go that far, but I, I, I plan on using this money to to invest, and uh, we'll, we'll see what, what exactly that goes into, whether that be a business or in real estate or something like that. It sounds like you're semi-retired at 33 or whatever age you're at, 30 <laughs> years old. Uh, yeah, well, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm actually turning 35 in, in a month or two. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, move down to Florida, play some golf. You know, I guess that is the... <laughs> already living a semi-retired lifestyle so that's the uh, dream well done yeah. um it, it it really is a good good timing to have have this kind of uh have this kind of a score right now it doesn't hurt that the markets are are, are down now as well either yeah, cash is good to have at the moment all right scott well you're living the dream i've got one little nightmare for you before you go though and that's you gotta play one of my stupid games are you down let's do it Okay, so as you know, I make a lot of really bad jokes uh, over people's last names. So, like, there's a good chance. Well, this game, it's called Bombstein, more like 
Blankstein. And what's going to happen is oh, you're going to replace the first part of your name that sounds like bomb and keep the last part of your name. So it makes for a funny pun on your name that will probably make me and only me giggle. I think so, we're going to need an example. Otherwise, no yeah, one's no problem. Get this. I got an example question. I'm going to give the setup. You give me the name pun punchline like James will take this one for you because he understands how my dumb brain works. So if I was doing commentary and I said something like, is the TSA looking for this guy in a bottle of water because he's actually playing more like Scott Bombstein? Bombstein. Good, you got it. Scott Bombstein, more like Scott Bombstein. Silence. Don't worry. Which speaks volumes. <laughs> okay, right. I see where you're going with this. Okay, ready? <laughs> Here we go. By the way, if you don't get it, it's not you, it's me. Here we go. If Scott suffered a massive number of bad beats at the table, yet remains totally and calm, sorry, totally zen and cool, I might say Scott Bombstein, more like Scott. He gave that one away, but Scott Bombstein. <laughs> there it, it is, okay. Take it, it's like the player accidentally exposing their cards. Use the information. If Scott Baumstein were actually magically capable of healing and soothing the skin of the other players at the table, like a fragrant ointment, I might say, Scott Baumstein, more like Scott. Oh, uh, Baumstein? Scott Baumstein is correct. Here we go. Two for two. Oh, my God. This is going so much better than I could have imagined. <laughs> if Scott Baumstein were six feet tall, evergreen, and covered in Christmas decorations, I might say, Scott Baumstein, more like Scott German Christmas decorations. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he got me on that one. James, you got a guess? Is Could I also make a Wes Anderson reference here? Yes, you could. S Scott Tenenbaumstein? Correct, yes. Okay. I Scott's still two and one. <laughs> uh, if Scott came across like a British secret agent with a license to kill, I might say... Scott Baumstein, more like Scott. Scott Bonstein. Scott Bonstein, I'll take it. Yes, I would have also accepted Scott James Bonstein. Uh, question number five. Don't worry, there's only seven. Oh, if, good. if Scott, and I thought this was going to go on for too long. <laughs> <laughs> if Scott Baumstein had many serious reservations and uneasiness about the actions taken at the final table. I might say something like, Scott Baumstein, more like Scott. <laughs> Even I don't know this one. And I, I generally have a pretty either. good idea of how Joe's brain malfunctions. If he, if he had many serious reservations and uneasiness, I might say, Scott Baumstein, more like Scott Qualmstein. Oh, am I right in thinking there's only one more? <laughs> there's... <laughs> There's no, there's a fine. We'll cut it. We'll cut it to one more. We'll just make it one more for the sake of the pain of everyone here. If I saw Scott Baumstein behaving like William Kinsuf and taking chips off a roulette table, I might refer to him as Scott Baumstein, more like Scott Boston. I'll take it. I'll take Scott like a Boston. We were looking for Scott Palmstein. Oh, okay. For palming chips, but I will take it, Scott. Like a boss, Steam. <laughs> Steam, thank you very much for uh, for tolerating this, and uh, congrats on your engagement and your seven-figure score. Thank you very much. I appreciate it.
Thank you, Scott. So with the PSPC in the books, with Ramon Kalilas lifting that trophy with some help and collecting that $5.1 million first prize, we then moved into PCA 2019. And this was a really weird gear change. We went from that to the Super High Roller, which had a very different vibe. And do you think other people noticed the energy shift or just us? Like, obviously, there was a come down from the PSPC, but... You know, the, the things I noticed is that we went from a tournament full of players that were really happy to be there and excited and just sort of were enjoying the ride. Then we switched to the super high rollers who don't seem as excited to be there, who seem to be. I think it was. And I don't. This is not to take anything away from these guys, but it was just suddenly it, it, it's the same old faces again. And that's the thing with the super high roller. It's a small field and it's the same regs at every single event. And it's like, yeah. There were so many new faces, new stories, and new characters in the PSPC, and then it's like, it was. I, I didn't feel that we were seeing anything new. I felt that. Well, we learn from them, but we don't learn much about them, and I think that that's like a big part of interesting poker is like getting to know these people and uh, growing attached to them as people. And yes, we've we do know most of them already, and not to say that we, you know, but we're just not as attached. Uh, I mean, because. The most interesting thing about watching the, the Super High Roller was watching Talal Shikurchi's deep run. And yes. let's just salute this guy that within 48 hours of making the PSPC final table, he's finishing fifth in the Super High Roller event. Yeah, that was a, that was a really big deal. And I think if for some reason Talal flies under the radar a little bit, and I think that if it had been anyone else, we would have made a much bigger deal about it. Not anyone else, but certain players we would have would have been more conspicuous about it. And Talal's just a quiet dude that kind of mashes uh, and does really well in, in in lots of different fields, including poker. I mean, his poker resume at this point is pretty solid for anyone, for let sure. alone a businessman kind of guy. For sure. Um, Sam Greenwood dominated that final table, and this is going to be a foreshadow or an echo, if you like, of what happens at the main event final table that we'll come to in a moment. It's ridiculously deep. There's like 200 big blinds still in play when they're heads up, but one guy's got 190 big blinds and the other guy's got 10. Um, he crushed. He won. Did we ever find out what happened to his arm? Because he had this nasty kind of scar slash burn on his arm, and he started telling the story, never finished it, and you were meant to ask that on stage, but I don't think that question ever got put to him. It didn't get asked, and also, what's really bizarre, and I know this is going to sound crazy, I never saw it. <laughs> like, I, I never noticed it. Like, I know that someone asked him about it, and then we talked about it for a minute, and we said, well, how would he get it on that part of his arm if he was baking cookies or whatever was the part of the story we got? So when I went out on stage to ask him, and I know we've been over this before, but me going out on stage to to do the winner interview when the winner happens, it happens very quickly sometimes like it did with Sam Greenwood and I just get spirited away. You know, someone comes and grabs me and I'm walking toward the stage while I put my coat on and a mic's getting strapped to me. Uh, 
from the moment it's over to the moment I get on that stage is sometimes like less than two minutes. So if it's not immediately in my mind and I hadn't seen the burn, I just didn't even think to ask it. I didn't even see when I was on stage with him. So I just didn't think to ask. No idea is the short answer. Fair enough. Um, so then we had the main event coverage and there's a positive here and a negative. And the positive is that we had a really enjoyable selection of feature tables throughout from day two right through to the final table on the final day. Great characters, good conversation. But the negative is that the days were ridiculously <laughs> over yeah. We were condensing what was traditionally a six-day event into five days based on the expectation that the field at the PCA has got a little bit smaller in recent years, not realizing, oh, we've added re-entry and there was this huge 25K at the start of the festival that's going to have a knock-on impact on the field in the main. And we were playing six instead of five levels every day with dinner break. We're coming off air with the delay at like 1 a.m., getting to bed like 1.30, back in for like 9 the next day for production meetings it just took its toll it really did it, i mean i don't think i have to say anything to the audience of this podcast you know i just be preaching to the choir but i really don't think that there are other commentators in any other fields who do what we do um and i i don't want to sound like a complete windbag but i can't think of any other sport or game where uh two commentators do 10 look we got breaks by the end um, when Maria would come in or Lex or Griffin, but that would only be for like an hour or two out of a 12 or 13 hour broadcast day. So I really don't think there's anyone else that does what we do 10 hours a day for 11 days straight. Like I can't think of it. So, uh, when I see people not giving James the credit he deserves, I get pretty defensive. Uh, and I also get defensive over myself. It's just a lot easier for me to uh, to defend James. But by the end, I had a hair trigger for anyone that had any comments whatsoever about like the, the amount of effort or how tired we sounded. I was going to say your tolerance levels are normally pretty low, so I can only imagine what they were like when we were on hair trigger mode. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was like, I was like, die! I was just, that was me by the end. The best stuff from the main event was the Glenn Miller story, not the James Stewart movie, but the story <laughs> of the Irish qualified Glenn Miller who'd got into the PCA via a 55-cent qualifying route and worked his way up through the stages, beat Connor Drynan heads up to win the package, and I think cashed for around 30K in the end, had a really deep run in the PCA and had the time of his life, had a great holiday with his wife and kids. And then we had Scott the Dean Wellenbach, uh, the Tibetan Sanskrit translator who became the people's hero because he declared very early on that he always donates his profits in any poker tournament to charity. Um, the interesting thing is that, as you can imagine, Joe, Scott has become a big story back in Canada, back in Nova Scotia. In his mainstream hometown of media, right, even? Yeah, but he's not available for interviews right now because he's off on a two-week Buddhist retreat. True Look, story. I, I have no reason to doubt Scott's story. However, if it were me, I would also be on a two-week Buddhist retreat <laughs> after cashing for six figures in a poker tournament. There would definitely be a lot of Buddhism happening and a lot of uh, Zen reading quote unquote if it were me scott's probably doing the real thing well scott made it to the final table um cashed out in third place in the end and the final table looked like it was going to go the distance again the stacks were pretty deep but just like sam greenwood was a one person wrecking ball in the super high roller chino ream ko'd every single player at the final table and it happened pretty quickly we went like five four three two it's over and 
I know that Chino Ream is a controversial character, but, and I kind of have to agree with Daniel Negreanu here, and I've not agreed with Daniel about much recently, especially his views on reclining seats on planes, but <laughs> Chino is such an entertaining guy. He's such a presence at the table that I couldn't help but root for him, even knowing yeah. what I know. Uh, same, because knowing what I know uh, doesn't change anything. And so he's there anyway. And no one has, you know, he still enters poker tournaments and he's still a member of the scene and he still has friends and he still has plenty of support. And why not? Why not have a guy that's fun to watch and interesting to watch and doesn't play uh, necessarily? I mean, he definitely plays his own style of poker. And as a poker viewer, I can appreciate those things. Um, I don't know where you draw the line at where someone's personal life becomes untenable and you can't appreciate them anymore as a character. I don't know where that line is. Certainly, we found that line over the last few years with certain people that we do find entertaining, not necessarily in the poker world, but just in the world at large. Um, well, let's just flash back I, to the PSPC for a sec, for, for a yeah. second, because uh, Helmuth turned up for the PSPC. We haven't seen him in the Bahamas for a few years, but he came to play the 25K. And... He understood the fact that there were loads of amateur players in this field, who some of whom had never played a live event before, let alone a 25K. But within seconds of taking his seat, about eight hours into the day, he was immediately berating people and swearing at them. Now, do we accept that because it's an act? Do we accept it because being berated by Helmuth is part of the experience of playing against Phil Helmuth? Or do we say, actually, he's just being a complete tool? Yeah, well, I mean, I I feel the same way about Phil. Not necessarily the exact same way, but I like Phil Shtick. Does does that mean you have to like him as a person? No, you can be like, I don't like the kind of person who does this, uh, but I still am happy to have Phil come on one of our streams and pull that shtick. Like, for me, it doesn't make him enough of a deplorable person to say, like, he shouldn't be allowed to do this. I love it. I yeah. find it very entertaining. Yeah. So this recap is kind of going to roll into next week because – Joe, you mentioned the comedy show, which I know is a huge hit. Sadly, I didn't get to go because of our world-famous bubble coverage for the PSPC, yeah. uh, which rolled uh, went, went well over schedule and therefore meant that we came off air very, very late. But Clayton Fletcher, who was one of the comedians on the lineup, uh, who is also uh, a poker analyst, poker player, came and did some guest commentary on the live stream. He's going to be on the podcast next week. So we'll get into the comedy night next week Great. right now just before we bring on our super fan just a couple of psa's the first relates to six plus hold'em which again is something we mentioned on the live stream it is now a thing on poker stars i tried this out joe yesterday now bear in mind i can only take part in the play money version right sure so i sat down at a play money six plus table the very first hand i got dealt in i got dealt queens to cut a long story short, it all went in pre-flop. I was up against ace-king, king on the river, got stacked. Unfortunately, my auto-rebuy setting... Does a pair of kings still beat a pair of queens in 6-plus? Yes, it does. Okay. It does. So, unfortunately, okay. um, my auto-rebuy was off, so I then missed the next hand. Third hand, second hand I get dealt into, I get dealt kings. To cut a long story short, on a 6-6-7 six, six, flop, all the money goes in. I'm up against quad-sixes. I get stacked. <laughs> I sit out and decide maybe six plus hold'em is not for me. Uh, 
But in all seriousness, I imagine it is a lot of fun. And there's going to be a Twitch stream next Wednesday. That's the 30th of January with some of the big PokerStars pros playing 6+. Plus. Cool. But I'm really interested to hear from people who can play 6+, plus for real money. So if anyone out there who listens to the podcast would like to be a guest reviewer of 6+, plus Hold'em, hit us up. Hashtag poker in the ears, because in a couple of weeks' time, I would like to revisit this new variant, often known as short deck Hold'em, and I would like to get some actual genuine Poker Stars players, some regular Poker in the Ears listeners to come on the show and give us their perspective. We want your honest appraisal of 6+. plus. If you'd like to apply to come on the podcast, to be a reviewer, hit us up. Maybe no one will will apply, or maybe the entire segment will be a shit show that can never be aired. But I figure it's a new year, so let's try something new, Joe. Customer reviews. I'm going to give it a go. I'm into it. Okay, one final thing to tell everyone about. The Turbo Series is coming soon. If you watch the live stream, you heard us talking about this a lot. 3rd to the 17th of February. The full schedule is now on Stars, And we have got an exclusive free roll for Poker in the Ears listeners taking place next Tuesday. That's the 29th of January. Awarding $501 in Turbo Series tickets. The first prize is going to be a $55 ticket. We've got some $22 tickets. We've got some $7.50 satellite tickets. Total prize pool of just over $500. So Tuesday, the 29th of January, it's taking place at 10 past 3 in the afternoon Eastern Time. That's 10 past 8 in the evening GMT. That's 10 past 9 in the evening Central European Time. The name of the free roll is Turbo Tuesday, and you won't find it in the lobby until about 15 minutes before it starts. So Turbo Tuesday is the MTT to search for, and the password is need for speed that's the number four not f-o-r so need n-double-e-d the number four s-p-e-e-d that's so cool i love doing it this way it's cool to win tickets that you can maybe spin it up into something else because if you cash in a free roll for like 78 cents that doesn't always do you a lot of good Exactly. And ultimately, we got a lot of good feedback about the Winter Series free roll we ran just before Christmas. So we're applying the same format to our Turbo Series free roll. And while we're giving stuff away... One of them loves the EPT, knows it inside out, and would do anything for the European Poker Tour. The other one is Joe Stapleton. It's Superfan versus Stapes. So please welcome to Poker in the Ears our first Superfan of 2019 let's say hello to blair matheson greetings blair hey guys thanks for having me on what's up blair where are you from man i am from scotland so originally from just outside glasgow oh man what's it's like i'm being sung to (laughs) there will always be a very special place in joe's heart for anyone and everyone from Scotland. Blair, before we get to know you, we need to talk about the movie because we need to put this in context. This was one of the films that was on my list of movies for Joe to see before he turns 44, but it kind of got pushed to the back end because it is a Christmas movie. It's a Wonderful Life, 1946, and Joe decided he was going to watch it with his family over Christmas. The only problem with that is that we aren't recording our first podcast of 2019 until the end of January, and it now feels really weird to be talking about a Christmas movie. Plus, I believe, Joe, based on what you said in the opening of this show, that you didn't even watch it till last night. Well, yeah, I didn't watch it with my family because uh, things were just a little tense at Christmas time. I didn't do a lot of uh, watching things with the family. But uh, I would actually 
uh, postulate that this isn't even a Christmas movie. This movie's like two hours and 15 minutes long. And I think 15 minutes of it take place at Christmas, like the last 15 minutes. Having said all that, I fucking loved this movie. This movie was so good. You care about everyone. Frank Capra. Now he's the one that wrote Casablanca also, right? No, fine. I screwed that up, but man, this guy actually, I enjoyed the writing. All of the characters are like magical and wonderful and you get them and they're likable. And Donna Reed is like an angel herself in this movie. I'd loved everything about it. I thought this movie was fantastic. I think people regard it as a Christmas movie, not just because of the setting of the last 15 minutes, but because of that feel good factor. And this is the movie that almost coined that phrase feel good flick blair were you a fan of it before we invited people to come on and talk about it or is it something you just thought i'll oh, volunteer for that and give me a chance to see it for the first time no no i've been a massive fan for it for years it was it's just my favorite as christmas film as, as joe was saying it's only about 15 20 minutes of christmas but no it's just like a nice feel good film i think at christmas time just to watch and, and kind of with family and kind of get a nice wee message across and the great thing now is that the original version is readily available. Back in the late 80s, early 90s, when I was trying to track down this movie on VHS, the only version that was available was the colorized version. Was it the original version you watched, Joe? I watched the black and white version, yeah. I was. Uh, a couple of the other movies I watched were like sort of in the older movies were in color, and I couldn't figure out if they were supposed to be in black or white or not. Um, Singing in the Rain being one of them. Uh, but this one, I was, I had heard the debates before and I was not going to get duped into watching a color version. Not at all. I mean, not only is it an unnecessary thing to do, but the process that they used in the 1980s just made everything look like a, a, a washed out easel sketch. Um, anyway, that's by the by. Blair, I'm glad you like the movie. Joe, I'm thrilled that you loved the movie. Uh, so Blair, tell us about yourself. What is your deal, bro? <laughs> um, so I'm a software support engineer, which is basically just a glorified way of saying i'm technical support um just is this a bit blair because literally every other super fan claims to be in technical support or claims to be a software engineer yeah it seems to be a very common theme um but yeah it's just something i suppose there's quite a few of them jobs going about but so if i uh called up a number for a particular product there's a chance i could talk to you yes yes oh man i want i all of a sudden i want to do that that's how we should have done this call <laughs> me calling up to for like tech support on a fax machine and being like and you're also this week's super fan <laughs> yeah i've got a direct number i'll just i'll send you that it'll be fine. <laughs> what is the what is the dumbest question you've been asked recently like what is like the head smacking you're just like i can't even believe you're on the fucking phone with me right now moment of uh, late i was i was doing a chat session recently and i asked the, the person on the other side to send me the specific exe file and instead of sending me the file, he sent me the path, just the typed out path. Um, so that was quite he, a He just typed it out. He like copied and pasted where the file was located on his computer. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty good. At least he had the, hey, at least he was smart enough to, to type out the path. That's, that's how to take it. Actually, yeah, <laughs> I don't get that either, so. It's so, like a weird middle ground of stupidity. Very much so, yeah. Like, how are you smart enough to know what this thing is, but also not send the file? <laughs> yeah. So, Blair, in your part of the world, how much poker is there to play? Um, not, it's quite a bit, actually. Um, I currently live in Dundee, which is kind of the east coast of Scotland. So 
only got one major casino um, that we can kind of go to without traveling a fair distance. But still managed to get a fair bit there and online as well. So it's not too bad. Cool. Well, let me just set the stakes for you. Um, by appearing on the show, by agreeing to be a guest on Poker in the Ears, you automatically win a pair of Lucky Poker Star socks. But we are going to give you the opportunity to upgrade <laughs> that prize to an EPT Sochi satellite ticket by potentially beating Joe Stapleton in an It's a Wonderful Life-themed quiz. I have in front of me 10 questions plus a tiebreaker, which have been drafted by Patrick, the trusty intern. So heaven knows what lies within. Um, I think we can go with the usual format, where you can pick a number from 1 to 10, try and get two points by not taking the multiple choice options, one point if you need those choices. So Blair, I will allow you to go first. What number would you like? See, I don't know if Patrick was getting caught on with people choosing Joe's lucky number first. I'll go with nine. Okay. Joe's lucky number nine. The question is, how does Sam Wainwright make his fortune? In plastics. He does for two points. Congratulations. You are on the board. That was really dirty. I definitely would have known that one. (laughs) Super dirty, Blair. (laughs) I'm not going to let your beautiful sing-song voice distract me from what a Dirty, dirty player you are. (laughs) Joe, which question would you like first? Nine has gone, just in case you weren't paying attention. Blair, what's your lucky number? Six. Six? I think he's bluffing me. I'm going to go with five. Number five. (laughs) In the world where George is never born, what happens to Mary? Mary is an old maid librarian. I'll take it. She's unmarried and unhappy. That's what Patrick Uh, wrote. Oh, yeah, Joel's oh, oh. like more, more um, correct in Uh What question would you like next, Blair? Um, I'll go for six. Question number six. In the world where George is never born, what happens to Uncle Billy? He Does he die? Do you want to oh. answer, does he die, or do you want to take the multiple choice <laughs> options? I'll take the multiple choice. Okay. <laughs> He dies in a car accident. He gets sent to an insane asylum. He starts working for the evil banker. He gets sent to prison. Oh, it's the insane asylum. It is the insane asylum for one point. So you have a one, a 3-2 lead, a one-point advantage over Joe now. But Joe, it's your round. It's your question. Five, I'm gonna, six, and nine have gone. I'm going to go with question number one, please. How much money does Uncle Billy lose? is correct for two points. And Joe has a 4-3 advantage at the end of the second round. Round three. What question, Blair? Um, Eight. Question number eight. What book does George find a copy of at the end of the film? You guys, I'm so sorry. I'm just thinking about the ending when all the people bring the money in and I'm getting choked up. (laughs) (laughs) Like like in the middle of this question. I defy anyone not to cry at the end of this movie. Like I'm genuinely, like you can hear it in my throat. Like I'm thinking about it right now and it's making me emotional. (laughs) If this movie does not move you to tears, it means you are devoid of a soul. Uh, Anyway, that was not the question. The question was what book does George (laughs) find a copy of at the end of the film, Blair? I would just put The Adventures of Tom Sawyer. It was The Adventures of Tom Sawyer for two points. Oh, excellent. Joe, which question? Uh, I'll just, uh, question three, is that still available? Question three is available. Okay. What is the name of George and Mary's daughter who is ill on Christmas Day? Oh, man. Oh, man. 
Dang it, dang it. Uh, I gotta take the choices. Damn it. Is it Janie, Sarah, Christy, or Zuzu? Zuzu. It is Zuzu, and we have a tied game. Five points all. Blair, I can tell you that two, four, seven, and ten are all available. Yeah, let's go. Let's go seven then. Seven. What prevents George from leaving town on his first attempt? His dad dies of a stroke. Correct. For two points. Joe. Uh, question two, please. What pet animal lives in the Bailey Building and Loan? A raven. It is. For two points. Still Ooh. a tight game going into the final round. So, think carefully, Blair. Not that you have any idea what the questions might be. Four or ten? Ten or four? Four or ten? Ten or four? Let's go four. What is the full name, i.e. first name and last name, of the town's rich and greedy banker? Um, is it Henry F. Potter? Henry Potter is all I needed for those two points. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yes, this movie taught us back in the mid-1940s that bankers are evil, a message that's as relevant today as it was then. It's uh, so bizarre, James, because if you look at the bad guy in this movie and any other movie, it certainly represents a certain way of thinking today, and the people who think that way today somehow don't see themselves as the villains. It's <laughs> fucking bizarre. Question 10, Joe, and remember, in order to tie the game, you are going to need to score two points. How much does the rich banker offer George as an annual salary? $20,000. Correct, for two points, tying the game. So we are going to go to the tiebreaker. Uh, Patrick did provide a hashtag fun fact. That salary is the modern-day equivalent of $350,000 a year. Wow. Wow. So the tiebreak, uh, Joe, please open a separate chat window on Skype. Okay. Please do not yep. Skype this group. The tiebreak question, according to how old Clarence says he is and when the film is set, which year can we determine Clarence was born? So I need a four-digit number, Joe, from you on Skype chat. Which year was Clarence born based on how old he tells George he is and the year that the film is set? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm just doing some math. Okay. Uh, Blair, you should be doing the math as well, because I'm going to ask yeah, for your answer right. verbally in just a moment. Okay. I'm sending along my answer. Okay, I have Joe's answer in front of me. Blair, what is your answer? So can you read it out just again, just so I can remember if I'm not going the wrong way? Okay, so basically, Clarence tells George how old he is. Yeah. So based on that number, and... When the film is actually set, what year can we determine that Clarence was actually born? This is a great tiebreaker question. Like, yeah. Patrick Patrick wins a pair of PokerStars socks. Let's be careful, question. Joe. Let's be careful. We don't want to break the PokerStars bank. <laughs> 1655? I can tell you that Joe went 1671. You went 1655. The correct answer is 1653 congratulations oh! Blair you were only two years out you're closer than Joe so you've won this game of Superfan wow. versus Stapes and that means we are going to send you an EPT Sochi satellite ticket thank you very much guys I really enjoyed so that oh close well done Blair thank you thank you that was that was great fun um yeah really really enjoyed that great fun having you on the show thank you for joining us and uh, hopefully 
Hopefully you can spin up that satellite ticket and we might just see you in Sochi in March. Thank you very much. Just before I go, I just really wanted to say um, massive well done over the 11-day coverage for the PCS, PSPC and PCA. It was really, really good. Really, really enjoyed it. Thank you, Blair. Massive. We appreciate it. Thanks, Blair. No worries. Have a nice day, guys. And you. All right, my babies, we're almost out of time for this week's show. Coming up on next week's show, uh, there isn't a lot of poker in our world happening over uh, until Saatchi for like the next eight weeks or so. Which means there probably isn't a lot of poker in my world other than the day-to-day work for a poker company. But am I right in thinking that you are playing some poker? Yes, I've got lots of poker I'm playing over the next couple months. I've got, I went to Josh Molina's house to play poker. Over this past weekend. Hollywood home game. Hollywood home game. Yes, very fun. Lots to talk about there. Uh, This Saturday, I'm playing in a very fancy charity event where like a table is like 10 grand. Wow. And Hank Azaria bought a table and can't go and then let one of his good friends, my good friend Johnny, fill the table. So Johnny's given me a seat. This sounds this pretty fancy cool. charity event. So effectively, next week's podcast will be the latest installment in the life of Stapes as we yeah. find out what kind of uh, showbiz shenanigans you've been getting up to in La La Land. Yeah, we'll talk about poker showbiz shenanigans. We'll talk about the comedy show, which was a part of the life of Stapes that happened at PCA. Yeah, we're going to have Clayton Fletcher on next week's podcast. And I was thinking, Joe, the week after next... I think we we didn't do any kind of movie reviews this week because I think what we want to do is after next week, uh, we'll delve into pop culture. We'll talk about some of the movies and TV shows that we've watched, loved, hated in recent weeks. And that's a chance for us to also talk about the stuff that we saw in our respective journeys to and from the Bahamas. So just make notes, save it up, and we'll just dump all that in the show after next. Oh, yeah, and I think I've... And we're going to look at Six Plus Hold'em in that show as well. Yes, very good. I think I've got like a little plan i'm going to concoct to forget our next like high profile hollywood celebrity guest a la josh molina so i think uh we're going to talk about that in the coming weeks as well until then guys please give us some clicks help us out keep the show alive and well uh subscribe like comment just leave a little comment it helps even if it just says something i really like listening to this show it just takes a few seconds to do to click a star rating or to uh or to leave us a nice word, but also a little bit more effort than that. I made it my New Year's resolution to make it your New Year's resolution to get at least one person. That's right. My resolution is to make it your resolution to get at least one person who likes poker to listen to the show one time. Can I make that my resolution as well? Yes. My we, resolution I, is well, to... Well, your resolution be to make my resolution... That's it. ...to make other people's resolution... That's the daisy ...to get chain. one person to listen to the show. Uh, we do need super fans for this year. Uh, Just so I'm, you know, I've got, I've got a few lined up for the next few weeks, so please dig out of your archives... The Ghost and the Darkness, which is a Michael Douglas Val Kilmer movie from like the mid 1990s. I, I, I've seen it, and I remembered liking it, and I'll, I'll maybe try to watch it, but I, I, I can't always take two hours every week to okay. watch a movie but also coming up in the next few weeks the Shawshank Redemption no one's ever picked that as their movie choice not bad not bad and bear in mind superfan subjects are not limited to movies and TV shows I was and just is, about to say that this is very on brand very on message right now UFC ooh 
Yes, the UFC you... is going to be a specialist subject in future weeks. Oh, boy. I don't know. I'm trying got... to get them to send me to some of these UFC matches with these VIP tickets they got for everybody else. And if I come on the show and don't know anything about UFC, they're never going to give them to me. I think that's a very good argument, but you're speaking to the wrong guy. I can't hook you <laughs> up. Uh, but yeah, just because we've got two or three lined up, though, doesn't mean that we don't have slots open. We're hopefully going to be making quite a few podcasts in 2019. So please hashtag poker in the ears if you want to be a super fan. I should also point out that is the hashtag to use if you want to be a six plus reviewer. If you've tried the game on stars, want to share your thoughts, we'll try and get a number of different views, kind of like quick grabs from people. Uh, so please use that hashtag. It's also the hashtag for you to suggest guests yes. for the coming weeks. Who do we you want to hear like from? To... Um, yeah. Because, you know, I think we've had a really interesting variety of people on the podcast over the years. But, you know, if there's anyone out there who we've never spoken to, someone you're really interested in us in, in hearing from, let us know. All right. Do that. Use the hashtag. Let us know your thoughts on anything and everything throughout the course of the show. Like, comment, subscribe, suggest the show to a friend. For now, though, we are actually all out of time. For James Hardigan, I am Joe Stapleton. Smell you later. Ha, 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 ha.